the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. It happens to be January 20, I'm sorry, January 11th, 2021. And I'm glad to be alive and present with you all for the next two hours and maybe more. Uh, the number here is one 367-5329 here on the Monday edition of Lifeline with your host, Jesse Gistan in the house. Feeling good, uh, happy about life. Again, glad to be alive, glad to be on the other side. 11 days into 2021, and I hope you're well, I really do. Five days ago, a very significant event occurred at the White House, you probably have heard of it, resulting in the demise and death of one female Trump supporter, as well as several Capitol Police. Now, this event we will be unpacking over the course of this hour and, and very shortly as well. But for those of us, those of you who listen to the Monday edition of Lifeline, as well as all week long with Craig Roberts, but you also know Grace Bible Church in Hayward, we just finished a magnificent, magnificent Arts of Grace program, project, presentation this weekend. Lots of people came out, enjoyed the music, a lot of uh, praise music, uh, contemporary praise music, strong God-glorifying music, as well as an Arts of Grace presentation, uh, which uh, dealt with the issue of uh, identity abortion, adoption, of course, from a redemptive framework. And it was just a fantastic time. I was very surprised at all the folks that actually came out that were willing to uh, to engage in being in a, a facility. House was almost packed. Beautiful time. Men and women of uh, all ages, young and old. I, and if you were there, you want to give me a call and let me know how you enjoyed it. That would be great. one 367 But I'm not simply calling attention to what happened this last Saturday. But to let you know, this Saturday coming up, January 16th, we will be having our fifth annual Rules of Engagement Marriage Seminar. Now, you guys know, those of you who have been part of our Rules of Engagement Seminar in the past, you, you know that it has been a, a profoundly rich time of, um, of sound theology, uh, insight, and practical engagement in working through the challenges of relationships, working through how men and women get along and largely in the context of covenant, this particular series will be called The Keys of Success and Failure in Our Marriages. The Keys to Success and Failure in Our Marriages. There are a couple of fundamental points that I want to actually highlight, develop, unpack, and engage you in for about three hours. We're going to be starting at 1 p.m., 1 p.m., one hour afternoon on this Saturday. I'm going to open up the text of Scripture, deal with 
what is expected of us, but more earnestly just simply address the fact that our marriages are in trouble in a ton of ways. And I have discovered that there are two fundamental principles, two fundamental axioms essential to a solid marriage, a good marriage, a happy marriage, a productive marriage. And when those two principles are absent or diminished, uh, and in some cases sabotaged, it's not possible for our relationships to thrive. And so that's what we're going to be dealing with this Saturday, Grace Bible Church, Rules of Engagement number five. Uh, every year we have a great turnout of folks from all over the Bay Area. Uh, we have a great time, as I said, of unpacking the word, getting into Q&A, because uh, we have this time basically a call, just being honest and confessional. Uh, after we deal with the exposition, after the word of God cuts us and exposes us and gives us promises, we begin to deal with uh, the real issue. Why are we thus? Why is our marriage the way that it is? Why am I thus? Because the question I raised on Sunday, which I'm going to raise again this Saturday to our congregation is, how is it that you and I, and maybe our significant other, that we can say one thing to them about how we feel? For instance, we say, I love you, right? Uh, that's a word. That, a word. that word assumes a definition. The problem is, the way we behave does not necessarily correspond with the definition of the term that we have ascribed. Now, what happens when you ascribe a definition to something, but in your conduct, it does not correspond with what you have described? And see, that becomes a real issue. If you and I are stating that we are loving someone or that we care about someone and that they are the most important person in our life or a significant person, but we act contrary to that, what do we call that? What is the consequence of that kind of behavior? And why does that happen? Why can we define a thing and assert that we are advocates of it, but in practice fail to engage in it? This is what we want to work through because I can tell you if you understand the significance of that kind of contradictory behavior, then you can understand what it takes to actually engage in a healthy, a productive, a good, um, and, and, and sound relationship with someone else, and particularly in the context of marriage. So I'm looking forward to a Christocentric, Bible-based, God-exalting authentic time of real talk, real, real talk about the challenges of relationship. Uh, and I hope you are willing to be there this Saturday from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. We'll have breaks, a little snack time, and then we'll uh, roll up our sleeves and uh, get into Q&A. Just be honest in the house with one another and with God. And then we will have what we do every year, a raffle time, lo lovely gifts that we pass out, uh, give out raffles, and at the end, you know, give out some gifts. And uh, generally, we're very generous with that application. It's fun, too. It's just fun to be able to do that. Um, so hopefully you can join us this Saturday. You'll hear more about it on our weekday programs, I think, at the end of our messages on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But you can go to our website. It should be up, Rules of Engagement, 5th Annual Rules of Engagement at Grace Bible Church this Saturday. Um, his name was Leo Kelly. He was one of the persons that made it into the building safely 
and he made it out to report. Yes, he was a Trump supporter. And yes, he was part of the individuals that penetrated the Capitol. And yes, he was part of those individuals that, that trespassed and entered in. And yes, he was part of a group of people for whom largely the media uh, imposing upon the Trump supporters a uh, very, very derogatory, very, very nemesing term, very, very negative term. They were... They were uh, insurrectionists, as they call them. This is the line you'll hear everywhere. Insurrectionists, insurrectionists, insurrectionists. But when you listen to Mr. Leo Kelly, who was willing to be interviewed on air, I don't know how broad and publicly the, um, the media uh, outlet that he was, uh, was on was, uh, was exposed to the world. Because you do know if you just go to your main media outlets, you are going to almost always get a distorted picture of reality because their narrative is designed to shape you emotionally. But if you were to listen to Leo Kelly himself, you would have found out that uh, he was surprised how easy it was to get in. He said, we made it all the way to the Senate chamber. He said, when we got in there, we prayed. And then he said, we peacefully resisted. We, we wanted to be heard. That's what he said. We, we wanted to be heard when all the measures were rejected during the election because they felt like, and I agreed, that this election was, was largely fraudulently done and, and our, our judicial system, our legislative system, was not willing to actually hear the American people in their plaintiff over how the elections went, being eyewitnesses involved in being part of the election. And they were frustrated. And they went to the White House. They said the judges wouldn't hear them. The governors wouldn't hear them. The major, mayors would not listen to them. They refused to listen to our plea, Mr. Leo Kelly said. And he said with, with, with what I would consider a kind of... Uh, Humility, because he wasn't coming off as braggadocious. He wasn't coming off as some kind of extremist nut. He wasn't coming off arrogantly and pompously. I was looking for that very carefully, y'all, as I perused the uh, website news for actual footage. And I got some, too. This is why I'm going to talk to you about it. I was able to derive actual footage about what was going on in the inside. He said, you know, basically what we were saying was, can you hear us now? He said, this may not have been right, but only God will judge this. He only God will judge us. Now, upon further analysis of the video of people right there in the uh, in the mix reporting uh, the events as they were taking place, it became obvious that there was a kind of aggressive uh, and at times unruly and even contentious element of the millions of people who had came to Washington. And so there is there is some responsibility on the part of the Trump Trumpsters to admit that there was not what we would call a completely and totally peaceful uh, gathering of people at the White House. But there's a reason why there's a reason why it became aggressive, unruly and contentious. It's called provocateurs. It's called people who infiltrate peaceful demonstrations with one objective, and that is to turn it into a riot. These are professionals. These are individuals who know how to appear, dress, and engage 
like the crowd, only to position themselves in order to create conflict, only to in order to create noise and problematize the event. You guys know this well. This happens in almost all large movements where they are uh, prescribed and large movements where they are determined and, uh, and, and they are events that are scheduled. People who want to create riots know how to do it. And in fact, when I come back from the break, I'm going to unpack for you this reality that in the crowd and among those who did get in, which was only a small portion, it wasn't the millions that were there because there were lots of people there if you got legitimate footage. Only a couple hundred, several hundred got into the, uh, um, arrived and, and actually entered into uh, the Capitol. But amongst them were BLM, amongst them were Antifa and others who, when they were part of their own riots, and I'm going to talk about how many riots occurred in 2020 up to the end of 2020 on their part, they were never demonized or villainized by the media. You guys do know that. Yet here comes the Trumpsters getting in trouble, and they did. They got into trouble. And the Bible tells you and me clearly, and I warned us about this for months now. God says in Exodus 23, verse 2, you shall not follow a multitude to do evil, even in the name of good or justice, with the exception of a just war or the pursuit of criminal activity that requires official authorial arrest, the promotion of conflict leading to harm, injury of property and of goods, even to death. That is only within the context of official authority and a just war or when you are protecting your family. Otherwise, Christians are sinning when they follow the multitude to do evil. When we come back from the break, we'll unpack more of this on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open, one 367 Two lines open, one 367 We'll be right back. And glad to be back. By the way, Jesse gets in with you on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let me pick up where I left off, uh, directing your attention to the Word of God. Uh, the tension here, ladies and gentlemen, around what's been going on really does require some significant analysis, but we don't have all that kind of time on the program because I, I really do engage our callers so that we can, uh, you know, have somewhat of a community uh, feel here. And so I think I've got two lines open. If you want to join me, one 888 God tells his people you don't get led like sheeple. You don't get driven like cattle. You don't follow the blind leading the blind. You do not do that. Uh, unfortunately, there is a major disconnect when Christians end up draping themselves in the flag so heavily that they fail to maintain their identity in Christ and therefore their allegiance to Christ via the word of God. Now, I'm not going to say that these folks who are uh, Trump supporters who profess to be Christians are not. But here's what I will tell you frequently, frequently, and history has proven it. No doubt about it, whether on the left or on the right. You can call yourself a leftist. We had 3,500, 
3,500 protests with violence and rioting and all sorts of things go on between May 24th of 2020 and August 22nd of 2020. Will you hear me again? 3,500 plus riots, protests, burning of buildings, taking of official uh, buildings, as you saw beginning to occur at the Capitol. This was not new. It didn't start with the Trumpsters. They're not some mob of bloodthirsty, uh, fomenting, hateful people. If they are, then the people on the left, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the rest of them are that 3,500 times over. So we want to be very careful about the, 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 the emotionalism that, that drapes people who are locked into the plantation. I've told you about this before. I'm not your leftist or your rightist. I'm not, I'm, not, not, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a Christian. And as such, I'm going to charge you along with myself for either allegiance to the word of God or quit perpetrating the fraud as if you're a believer. You're not. If you're wrapped up in the left, if you're justifying leftist ideology that doesn't have any biblical framework or basis, you're not a Christian. If you are walking in principles and ideology that's so, so abhorrent, so contrary to the word of God, you're not a Christian. You're a fraud. If you're on the right and you're pretending that you are a believer in Jesus, but your Jesus looks like some white dude with a beard and blue eyes, and he, he sounds like he may come from the hills of Appalachia, Kentucky, uh, then you have a wrong Jesus there too. More, more importantly, if your Jesus is woolly-haired and black or dark-skinned with bronze feet, as you would assert that he was, you're wrong there too. The extreme left and the extreme right do not represent biblical Christianity at all. It can be proven exegetically, and it's also proven historically. Why? Because Jesus made it clear to his followers that you don't engage in the kind of ethics that gets involved in politics at the level of killing people, maybe being killed for the gospel, but not killing. Well, in this case, uh, the tragic outcome of January 6th is that a female who had served her own country for 12 years in the Air Force which is itself symbolic in nature. That is to say, here she is serving her country uh, for 12 years, gets shot by her own country's uh, uh, capital police or secret service. In fact, I'll be honest with you, there is footage that gives you a direct image and capturing of exactly what happened. It was horrifying. You won't find it on your major media outlets because what took place, if, if this uh, female uh, person whose name happens to be Ashley Babbitt, if she were an African-American woman and the person that shot her was a Caucasian man, you'd have all, and, and, they, and they weren't identified with Trump because Trump is the antichrist. He's the devil himself for all these un unreasonable people you would have riots in the street because the person that shot her almost shot her point blank. Now, if I was, if I was uh, a leftist, I would be crying. You could have shot her in the leg. You could have shot her in the arm anywhere but in the neck where she fell back and began to bleed out. 
This is a horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy that occurred. Of course, we know about these kinds of tragedies all across the nation for years. And I've said it before, two wrongs don't make a right. You can holler and scream and talk about how much you hate Trump or how much you hate Biden. Two wrongs don't make a right. You're not a Christian until you think Christianly and talk biblically. So, you know, if you want to have a conversation with me, we can. But if you get irrational, I'm going to let you know you're not talking for God. You're not speaking for Christ. You would have never had the master or his apostles fomating these kinds of events. I make it very clear to you that these are events where people who profess to be one thing, whether on the left, you call yourself Christian, but you engage in the kind of uh, antics that Antifa and BLM does, you're not biblical Christians at all. On the right, if you do the same thing, you're not biblical Christians. And I would that the media lay out the facts as they really are, but they don't want to because their job is to keep dividing Americans, keep dividing you, keep dividing me. This is how they conquer, divide, and conquer. Well, let me say something else about this dialectical process I've taught you about. It's called the left-right narrative, Hegelian dialectic. You have a thesis, then you have what? An antithesis and antitheses, and they go to war, they conflict, they engage in a paradoxical tension with the goal of a consensus outcome. Well, that is Washington. That is politics in Washington. The Republicans hold a conservative view, the, the uh, Democrats a hyper-liberal progressive view. The two battle, and sometimes they come to a meeting of the minds and a lot of times they don't. These are two adversaries. They're supposed to be friendly adversaries. But today it's way worse than that, way worse than that, because quite frankly, what you're discovering in our government today is the truth that we have a swamp filled with politicians who have betrayed the American people in terms of selling us out to uh, business interests and foreign interests, as is the case factually and undeniably with the man who is about to be the president of the United States. So now when you talk about the word treason, as you're hearing that word uh, bandied about by the leftist media every day now, really, if we analyze what it means to be treasonous, you would have to actually broaden your lens and say, okay, maybe we got some treasonous behavior among our senators and congressmen among our judges, uh, maybe treason is much more surreptitious and common in the swamp than we are willing to admit. And maybe it's that kind of controversial reality and lens that's starting to come to light since the Trump administration that's getting people all uh, lathered up and bothered because the left is not all right, no pun intended, and the right is not all right either. And we'll lose. I don't care who you are, who you think you are. You will lose when you defend the left. And you will lose when you defend the right as if they are pure and clean as the wind-driven snow. What you and I have been tested by over this year of, of COVID, ladies and gentlemen, is, is two realities. Are you ready? Whether or not we can discern the truth, whether or not we can see through the lie, discern the truth, and then whether or not we are honest enough to tell the truth or to just, out of fear and capitulation, jump on one side or the other and just start the dialectical process on a micro level, as often people are found doing.
Can we find somebody that's willing to be honest about what's going on instead of merely opinionated? And we talk about what you know or what you have seen and what you are aware of where you can give facts and you can give sites where you can tell people to go and they can evaluate for themselves rather than getting all emotional with your verbiage and problematizing just because someone disagrees with you. See, if you are a grounded human being, then you are rational, you are logical, you are able then to communicate civilly and clearly. And if you are sound in your communication, then you can be persuasive. But otherwise, mere emotions never gets the job done. All it does is it makes people back away from you. one 367 More to say about this, and then I'll take your phone calls. I think we've got a couple of lines left. one 367 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And we are back. The time is 5.38 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number two and talk with Leslie in Silicon Valley. Leslie, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yes. Welcome to the Monday edition of Lifeline. What's your thoughts? Thank you, Pastor Jesse. Well, actually, my thought is on sharing a little bit of my really amazing experience at the Art of Grace event on Saturday. You mentioned yeah. at the top of your show, if yeah. anyone attended to call in, so that's why I'm calling in. I, you know, I'm from the East Coast, you know me, and I have been through many different playhouses um, from D.C. to Washington to um, New York and also out here in California, Karen Theater. And I have yeah. to say, that was one of the most well put together, biblically sound, engaging plays experiences is beyond a play that I've ever experienced and um, from the detail of yeah yeah I'm For not real? just saying it's amazing no because yeah. I, I know you I know you I know you you know I know you so I know you I know you. quality art I do. across the spectrum so I'm I I'm really I, I you know I, I I'm glad that that was the outcome because you would know being being in that world I'm behind the stage. I'm, I'm I'm helping with tech stuff, so I don't get the kind of feel that the audience would get get out of that. So it it really it really did. It was it was impressive. It was more than impressive. Okay. It was connective. Um, it was the, the redemption value, of course, of it was just through the roof. It just coming kept coming through in every part of it, from the little kids on up to the young adults. I mean, the talent that's at Grace is just amazing. These are several of these people I've seen before. When, you know, when me and my husband attend there, I'm like, my goodness, the gifts right. that God has given them is just through the roof. And I want to give a big shout-out to the stagehands. They yeah. were moving. They were, they were on point. They were in and out. They were doing what they needed to do to make everything flow. They didn't bring attention to themselves. It was just amazing all around. Um, I, I'm going to take the rest of the call off the air. I mean, go off the air because i got to run. But I want to say I hope that this is done again. I was talking to the videographer that was uh, taking some of the clips, and I said, you know, this is amazing. She said, you know, I'm going to talk to them. Maybe they can do it again because, you know, and she can film it when you can tighten it up just a little bit. But it was just great. I mean, it, it really was 
amazing. And I want to say it was one scripture that came to mind today, which is why I said, well, I'm going to listen to your show and see if you're going to ask about it because, and it may not apply, so, so forgive me, but at the same time for me and my heart, it did. And that's in mm-hmm. Proverbs um, chapter 10, verse 21, mm-hmm. the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. There was so much wise teaching in that play. It was so yep. much that came out. And I, yep. I just yep. think it was a gift a gift yeah. that I hope that people who missed it can see it again. You so echoed my you echoed what I heard from several mature adults. And and we were mm-hmm. what we said we were gonna do if the play, if the presentation, you know, came off well, we said that we would mm-hmm. be willing to do it again in other venues if the doors opened up and and yeah what yeah. we're going to do is tighten up all the pieces and have it recorded mm-hmm. like you stated because mm-hmm. uh maria is one of the members there this is what she does as well for a living mm-hmm. so that we can have it as a presentation package because that crew does want to go forward doing ministry that way and they are super talented aren't they Oh, my goodness. I mean, the memorization of all those lines, but it came from their heart. It didn't feel like that anything was forced. It it. just flowed. I mean, from the older adults to to the kids. Um, I I do have one question, and I'm I'm just going to leave it off, and I'll hear it off the air, um, because it came up for me the next day. I was thinking about all the dimensions and that very difficult piece around um, the the confrontation, not confrontation, but the woman that had to come to face with, the possibility of whether she's going to choose to abort or not, um, that was really impactful. I, I haven't had that experience, um, but I do know many women that have. And when I, I was thinking about it the next day, I was thinking, now the kids that sang that song, mm-hmm. I'm Nobody's Child, that one, I was just, and I said, well, I don't know the parents of those kids, but I was just praying, and I know that being under your teaching, the parents are talking with them because I, I thought the only thing I would just suggest at the end were the kids to come back and to share something that was a little more affirming, you know, for in terms of how God truly sees them. So I know that there was a message in the opening and how they did that, but I, for whatever reason, I just started feeling a little burdened for the kids the next morning. I'm like, I know they didn't believe that because I know they had to practice that song over and over. Well, well, I'm gonna um, tell you, I'm gonna tell you a secret that I really wish would have occurred. And, and let me, okay. I'm going to use you. I've got two minutes before the break. I'm going to use you yeah. on this one. Do you know that okay. that whole play was a true story? I, I felt part of it was, but I did not know the whole play. Yes. Wow. The second question. Do you know okay. that the true story was about the lady that was in the middle of the kids? Okay. My husband asked me that. No, I did not. That's powerful. Did you That's see her? I, did you see her image up on the screen as a little child? I did not see an image. I no, I saw the wings. It's like the dove and the microphone, but the, at the very beginning, the first okay. clip. So, in the opening of the scene, in the opening of the yeah. scene, there okay. is a picture of a little girl from Uganda uh, playing um, with kids. Okay. Okay. Okay, so I wish they probably would have. I gotta find out why, because yeah. again, I'm behind the scenes dealing with tech. I wish they would have let that sustain for a minute, because if you would have looked at her yeah. carefully, you would have mm-hmm. noticed that that little African girl was the lady mm-hmm. who did the narration through the whole play. 
Got it. Okay. Yeah. I wish that was amplified because I just don't remember that scene. But wow, that's okay. That's okay. I, I I know when you guys do it again, it'll it'll be extra tight. But what I got from it was so rich. It yep. was so rich. And that yep. was a sermon of itself. So thank yep. you for all you did to help make that happen, Pastor Jesse. Thank you. Bless you, my sister. Bless you. I've Bless got to take a hard break. Three lines open, one 367 I did ask my uh, sister, my uh, member, uh, who uh, is like a daughter. Um, her name happens to be Rita. She was the uh, central narrative of the play, for those of you who had come, um, why there wasn't enough clarification of that play being around her real life. And what her statement was, was this. She did it for God's glory. And it's because she knows that there were a lot of children around the world that went through what she went through. So she was eclipsed. But it would have been impactful for people to be aware that that play was her story. Anyhow, we've got to take a break. We will be right back after this message. And we are back. The time, 550 on the Monday edition of Lifeline, we are going to run. Let's go to line number one and talk with Mark in San Jose. Mark, on line number one, what say ye? Well, I say what uh, the Lord says in Haggai, chapter two. And is this not happening in front of our eyes? I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms and destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. And I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them. And the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. You know, I mean, think about this. I really, uh, you know, I've been asking people to Google uh, Philip Morrow. He wrote a book on the 70 weeks and the Great Tribulation. And he has a thing about the signs and the sun, moon, and stars, and how uh, the, you know, when Christ said there'll be signs in the sun, moon, and stars before he comes back, that's not like, I know Mr. Campin thought in 2011 that the sun would actually go out. But it's it's talking about uh, government, you know, that's being right. eclipsed. That's, right. that's what it's that's talking right. about. Yeah, it is. That's right. And uh, if you just, uh, it's on page 106, I believe. And uh, so check that out. You don't. You don't and need also, to do that. Okay. All you need to do. All you need to do is teach the Bible correctly, and we've been doing that for years. You know, I've been dealing with prophecy for years. I've been dealing with apocalyptic language for years. Anytime the language of the prophets in Jesus is the head and and quintessential prophet says the sun shall not give its light, and the moon will be darkened, and the moon will be turned to blood, and the stars shall collapse from heaven, means the destruction of kingdoms. It meant the end of national Israel in a. AD 70, and it also meant the collapse of the Roman Empire from the time of AD 70 up to about the uh, uh, end of the Constantinian period, where it was largely Christianized. And that prophecy you're reading in Haggai, Mark, uh, is, is teaching the constant overthrow of kingdoms that would oppose the true and the living God. Now, the application in Haggai 
Haggai, really, is Haggai, to you and I and, and our nation in America is a sad, ominous warning because it's very possible, very possible that we're seeing the sun darken, the moon not giving its light, and the stars, which represents leadership, both politically and spiritually, may very well be collapsing around us, may very well be collapsing. Why? Because Christ is still sovereign Lord on the throne. We've got to look past governments, got to look past president, whether it's Biden or whether it's Trump, and we've got to see that there is one ruler over the whole of the nations, and he's judging, and his name is Jesus. And you'll yet take root downward and bear fruit upward. If you check that out with Leviticus, it's identical language that talks about, uh, um, you know, the Sabbath year, and then the next year is the Jubilee. They would, you know... True, uh, no, true, true. That was the promise that he made. Jubilee principles yeah. always correspond to the freedom that comes with the obedience of God's people to Christ. The Jubilee period is a period of absolute liberation from tyranny, liberation from rebellion, liberation from corruption, liberation from uh, from 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 tyrannical, uh, despotic, God-hating systems. All of God's elect look for the look for the liberty that comes in the jubilee, and that jubilee is ultimately a person, and his name is Jesus. We are living in some extremely important times where we need to be careful what we see and how we understand it so we can be faithful in our proclamation of the gospel. Nevertheless, at some point in the near future, and it's not too, not too, in the not too distant future, there will be a significant enough shaking. And this is why you hear me talking about taking root downward, because if we experience another shaking beyond what has happened in the last year, and we're not rooted and grounded in Christ. This is what the Hebrew writer says. He shall not only shake the earth, but the heavens, and whatsoever can be removed will be removed. This here is how men and women end up uh, uh, completely scattered mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually, completely exposed for not being rooted and grounded in the true and the living God. And this happens to nations as epics throughout history over and over and over again when they shall say peace and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them as a woman with child this is the way the apostles put it the prophets have put it and we really do have to pray and ask where are we at in the birth pains of god's judgment upon the world and particularly here in America, given everything that we are aware of and what we know before the lights go out, because the lights are about to go out. Yeah, and they are going out. And Matthew Henry, in his comments on Daniel 9, mentioned in regards to the 70 weeks that it fell in sequence with the Jubilee, yep. which is quite fascinating because we know John baptized Christ in the 15th year, so we know seven years later would be the Jubilee. Is that right? Well, yeah. No, we got. We're not going to extend into. We're not going to extend into the multiple jubilees that have come up to our time because you know you missed it a few times already. So what we are going to do is this: we are going to submit to the reality that where we are right now is in a very, very, very tribulated period of which, and this is what I've stated recently as I've worked through the book of the Revelation. In a minute. 
It'll be obvious to everybody. We won't have to guess. We won't have to wonder. We won't have to ask whether it's like the Jehovah Witnesses who said Jesus came back in 1948 and it was secret. Uh, when God acts and shakes up things, nobody's asking questions, is this God? They'll all know. But before God acts, the adversary acts. The wicked one acts. He sends a strong delusion that people should believe a lie. And I really believe, ladies and gentlemen, we are in that period of a massive delusion where people are believing things that have no basis in facts because we are not rooted and grounded and we're not using a discerning ear to, di to distinguish between facts and fiction, falsehoods and false narratives being perpetrated by our media and being supported by, uh, uh, sorry to say, deep state religionists who are siding with political kingdoms. This is a sad, 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 sad reality. But you know what? Your Bible is, is clear on these things. Pray about it. Uh, sink your heart down into the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to keep you, keep you, keep you, because that's the only way you can not, to not be deceived is for him to keep your eyes open so that in humility you'll be ready to understand the revelation when it comes. That's true for all of us. He made it very clear in Matthew 24, 15. When you see the abomination that makes desolation, standing where it ought not, then you are to flee to the mountains. And that means to flee to Christ. It means to be rooted and grounded in the son of the living God by faith so that you are covered in the shadow of his wings, that you are hiding in the secret place of the most high, that you are protected by the strong tower, which is God himself. This is the only hiding place the people of God have ever had throughout history when they have operated out of the prophetic voice of letting men and women know the one true and living God reigns, and then the whole world turns against them. This is the struggle that we will see between 2021 and 2023 as the reset becomes much more obvious and much more vigorous and much more uh, oppressive concerning policies that are already in place in Washington to come down, particularly if Mr. Biden ultimately ends up in office. I've got to take a hard break. When we come back, we will take Jermaine, we will take Dan, we will take E from Hayward. One line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be right back.